Hey there, magical beings. Welcome back or welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm your host. I'm also a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. And you guys, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I create this podcast in deep presence. I love having conversations with these individuals. And then to find out that something I said, or something one of my brilliant guests said, that it struck something in you, that maybe you wrote down a quote, that you shared it with a friend, that it was the trigger that you needed to hear to change your behavior or shine a light on something, that lights me up. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And I have something else to say. I have nothing to say. <laughs> and yeah, I know I'm, I'm already talking, but here's what I'm getting at. I have nothing to say on social media right now. I have nothing to say to speak out to the world for everyone to hear. I'm having these intense, amazing one-on-one -on -one conversations through the podcast, through clients, and you know what usually happens is I go ride my bike and while I'm riding my bike, I get these amazing downloads and these things just come through me and I am like, I need to share this with the world. And that's not happening right now. And I am okay with that. I'm so much better than okay with it because this has happened before. It's happened around this time last year and I, I was a little uncomfortable with it or a lot uncomfortable with it. I'm like, oh my God, I got to post on social media. What am I going to do? What am I? And I, and I tried to force things and it felt gross and it felt forcey. I mean, it felt icky, which is totally the opposite of how I want to feel. Totally the opposite of my core desired feelings of expansiveness and flow. And so this time I'm leaning into it. I'm leaning into the, huh, I'm not here to drop billion, brilliance bombs for the mass public right now. Or maybe this note that you're hearing right now is what you need to hear right now. That if you have nothing to say right now, it's okay. It's okay. Your brilliance will come through. You're not out of ideas. You're not out of words. You're certainly not out of brilliance and love and heart energy. It's all there. And in fact, if you're going through a quiet period, that might be really exciting because what is going to be on the other side of it? I know that always a lull, whether it's a day that I'm just feeling off, I know something big is coming the next day. And so when I go through a period of quiet, I get really excited because I know that something's brewing. I can't, like, I can't dig back far enough in my head or in my body or in my soul or wherever it is to find that thing. But I know from past experiences that something, something in me is working on something and I can't even see it. But when it's ready, it's going to bloom. So look out, friends, something is coming. And if you're in a lull right now too, know that something is brewing for you. Get excited because it's coming and we have no control over when it's coming but it's going to be big because it's so big that it has to like shut down your normal way of being to, to process, to grow. And then when it's ready, it will burst forth. Now, this week's conversation is with Karen Millsap. She's a resilience coach and founder of the Grow Flow community. At only 29 years old, she suddenly became a widow when her husband Richard was tragically killed. On her journey of healing, she discovered powerful, life-changing habits that helped her find her way back to a whole heart. Karen is a superstar, an absolute bright, shiny beacon. And she's got this really compelling, heart-wrenching story. And that is just a teeny, 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 tiny piece of who she is. Enjoy this conversation, my friends. I am so grateful that Karen has come into my life. She is super magical. And I, we had a lot of fun together. Please share this conversation, share the podcast with your friends, and most importantly, go forth and be awesome.
Karen Millsap, I'm so excited you're here. We've had so much fun just jamming the few times we've talked already. I know. I feel like every time you're like, ah, we could have recorded that. I know. And I told you that's exactly why I started this podcast. So you're a perfect example for this. <laughs> Let's start out today with your story and then get into all the brilliance that you have to share with everyone. Oh, well, thanks for even calling it brilliance. It's just life. <laughs> I'm willing to grit and bear it, as I say. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I think if I now look at my circle, everybody has a story. And so I never expected to have a story, but just, you know, listener discretion advised, you might want some, some tissues and it's, it's a, a lifetime crazy. But um, at 29, I, I suddenly became a widow. And leading up to that, like life was so normal. You know, I um, have older sisters. I was an Air Force kid, you know, right out of college. I met this guy who was the love of my life and we started a family. We moved to Orlando. I mean, we were just, you know, we all have our ups and our downs. Um, but then it was that one day where I was home and I was doing an interview. I was a recruiter at the time and I was doing a phone interview with a candidate. And so it was a uh, probably around 6.30. It was after hours, but my little one, my son was home with me and I got a phone call on my cell phone. I was using the house phone to do the, the interview and it kept going off and it kept going off. And finally, I noticed that it was the same person calling back to back to back. And at this time, um, my husband was an entrepreneur. He owned his own CrossFit. And so I thought because it was one of our members, maybe he fell off the rig and hurt himself. Maybe he hit his head. Maybe he um, broke his arm, like who knows, right? So as I asked the candidate a question and then I hit mute to answer my cell phone, which is ringing again for probably the 17th time, um, all I hear is screaming. And so as I'm hearing the screaming coming from this woman, the gym member, I can't make out anything that she's saying. And then I finally am able to make out one word and it's shot. So not everything registered with me at that time, but immediately my body started convulsing and it was like, it just responded to the, the tragic news that I just heard. So I pick up my son, I take him to the neighbors and I get to the gym as fast as I can. I mean, you know, you can imagine, right? A hundred and something miles down the highway. Um, and it wasn't until the light before the gym that I had the first thought of why am I not on my way to the hospital? Because if he was shot and now it's taking me this much time to get here, obviously I should be on my way to the hospital. And so I pull up to the gym and it's just complete chaos. All the first responders, you know, the news reporters out there with their vans already, um, people I knew, people I didn't know from church, community, what have you. And I really don't remember who told me or when they told me that my husband had been killed. Um, but that night was just, it was an, a roller coaster of so many things, so much pain, but also so much compassion from the people who are around me. And so I just, you know, after a few months of being in a really, really deep fog, and I mean, I was in a fog for probably almost two years, but the first month, as you can, you know, imagine would be really sh shock, right? Um, but there were things that stuck out to me about the people who were around me and showed compassion. And that's what kind of ignited my desire to take my pain, turn it into purpose and pay it forward to help others. And so it's been a journey, man. It's been a journey of like, I want to cure grief in the workplace to, well, how can I help individuals with their grief? And then realizing it's so much bigger than that. It's like, how are we taking care of ourselves? Um, our total well-being? How are we equipping ourselves with healthy habits? So that way, whether it's a time of tragedy or whether it's day-to-day -day stress and burnout and overwhelm, we know how to show up in life and be our best self. And really, I mean, to be honest, my motivation was my son. You know, I just realized when I looked at him that I had two options. I was either going to give up or I was going to get up. And I was on autopilot for a while. And it was honestly when I put my oxygen mask on first that I was able to then say, okay, now I have clarity. I have peace of mind. I have energy. I have determination. I'm rebuilding my confidence. I'm rebuilding my life. And that is what has gotten me to this point of now being a resilience coach and a speaker and, you know, even an advisor to companies who want to be people first. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a whirlwind, but I guess that's my story. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, 
Wow. And so the wow is really all I have to say in response to that. (laughs) But how did you put your oxygen mask on first? So I just remember thinking that because I wasn't there when my husband died, all of the imagery that I am, that was running through my mind was driving me crazy. Thinking about somebody doing something so horrific. I mean, just the story I was creating in my mind. So I recognized that the first thing I needed to do was take hold of my thoughts, right? I needed to really figure, and this was at a time, this was six years ago. We were not talking about mindfulness, self-care, any of this stuff. But the first thing I did to put my oxygen mask on first was really like get just take capture of my thoughts and, and try to move in, move them in a right direction. And then that's where I was like, okay, I need to eat right. Okay. I need to work out. Okay. I need to, you know, find fulfillment in my work. Okay. Like that's, it all started in me getting clarity in my mind. Do you remember what your first like itty bitty baby step was? Um, in what? Taking my mind? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a year after my husband died, I was let go from my job. So within a year, I lost um, my house, my car, my job, like relationships. It was just everything was gone. And when I was let go, it was a Monday. The Friday before, I had just closed on selling our house. And so we didn't have life insurance. We don't, I don't get social security. So I was starting from ground zero. And so when I walked in, I was let go. I was like, are you kidding me? So I immediately felt like this is the last straw. Like I am beat up. I have nothing. And I walked down, I got in my car with my little box of stuff. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, this is exactly what I need. This isn't a bad thing. I actually could use this time to grieve. I could use this time to figure out like what I want this next chapter of my life to look at. And I remember sitting there and going from one extreme of thoughts to the other. And it was like, that was it. I realized how I could have control of my thoughts and just really use that moving forward. Mm, I love the ease with which you discovered it. But I think it wasn't like, it, it wasn't that easy. I think there was a lot of preparation there. Because one thing I remember thinking and, and putting myself through this exercise was I remember thinking about the guy who killed my husband and thinking he had so many choices along that day to make a different choice. And that's when I realized the power of choice because his one choice created a ripple effect of just horrible things. So now I get to choose what my choice is and move in that direction. But I mean, you know, those are little seeds that you can finally see how they come together. And it, it came out in that moment though. That makes so much sense because the gateway for many people, I feel like, is realizing that we always, 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 always have a choice. Correct. Yep. Yep. In everything, in every single moment. If you hate where you are right now, you can literally make a choice to start moving in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Like yep. you can stand up and mm-hmm. walk out of the room, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no matter what room you're in. Yep. You always have a choice. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after that moment, then what happened? How long before you started your coaching business? Um, it was a while for me to get to the point where I am right now. I mean, probably not as long as a lot of, uh, you know, journeys to success, I guess you'd say. But um, I initially started just recruiting because I needed to keep the lights on and I was in HR and I was in recruiting. And so I knew I could get one off contracts to just, you know, take, bring some income in. And then my friend challenged me because she knew my heart was to help widows transition back to the workplace initially. And so she said, why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you pursuing this? And I, I kind of was like, well, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know if I can make money. She's like, let's look at the numbers. And so, because my heart was to just help and she's like, but you have to be able to make an income too. So that's where we just kind of spent two days, honestly, whiteboarding and praying and asking questions and laying on the ground and just like trying to figure out like to conceptualize what would this look like? And it was my heart just coming out. And so once I started to move in that direction, I started telling my story more. And then it kind of evolved into me becoming a speaker. And after that is when people who connected with me from the audience wanted more. And I never thought I would be a counselor or a coach, but I knew I wanted to help people and teach them what I had learned. So then I just became open to, okay, how would this look, you know, structurally, but for like the middle part of this journey, it was really a lot of speaking. Maybe the last year is when I transitioned into being a coach just because I was building so many relationships from those speaking opportunities. And, excuse me, were the people who were coming to talk to you after 
after your events, were they widows or were you? No, 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 no. It was everything because I, a really, um, significant lesson that I learned was that grief comes in many forms. It's not just, you know, a death. It can come if you go through a divorce, if you lose a job, if you are in a job where you feel, you know, unfulfilled, if you become a caregiver, like all these different things, right? It, life in changes and loss that creates grief. And so, so yeah, once I realized that, um, that's who I was speaking to is everybody with the human spirit, the people were so diverse coming up afterwards because they, they also, it was like a wall was broken down in their train of thought as to what they were thinking, what they were feeling. And they were, they felt like they had permission to identify it as grief and emotional distress. And it made sense for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like they could identify just because it was pain. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's something that I've talked to people about before, that there's no shame in admitting that you're grieving. Mm-hmm. There's the obvious grief after someone we love passes, but then there's the grief of you get an injury. Mm-hmm. 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 Like, is you're in your... an accident. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. are so many ways that grief shows up in our lives, and I think... I think it's really important to acknowledge when we're grieving mm-hmm. as soon as, and when anything is taken away, we grieve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So what is your definition of grief? I think it's our, it's our body and our mind's reaction to change and loss. That's what it is because you feel it mentally, you know, psychologically, all of that. You feel it physically, you know, you feel tired your appetite is suppressed. You also are in a fog. I mean, those things. And again, they can come from so many different life events. I mean, we call it other things, PTSD. We call it stress. We call it overwhelm. I don't know why grief has this stigma behind it. Like we can't call it what it is. All of those things are in the same bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not okay I think people shy away from PTSD too, if they weren't totally in battle or at least in the military. Well, so I didn't realize that I had PTSD because just of the imagery that I had, like the story that I was playing in my head. I didn't, I I feel like we just as society um, norms, we're just on autopilot Mm. until we hear a story that resonates and then we can identify with that common bond, which is pain or struggle, or, you know, again, however you decide to label it. Yeah. So what was it like realizing that you were the deliverer of this story that was shining a light for people so that they could basically wake up Mm. and see what they were experiencing? It was first more of an intention for my son to show him you can take something bad and turn it into something good. And so I felt like sharing my story would help people to see that they can get through tough times too. And I don't think I realized really what the impact was of being the deliverer of this kind of message until recently. Um, Robin Roberts did a digital series called Thriver Thursday and I was nominated and they came and they shot my story. And after a few months, then the eight minute, eight minute reel aired. And it was watching that and kind of seeing my story from the outside that made me realize the impact of the work that I was doing. Because I was, I mean, I just, I lead with my heart, you know? So people will get on me, even like I have a business mentor. He's like, what is your strategy to keep moving this forward and keep elevating? I'm like, faith and heart. So I think that I, because I operate from that space, I've been a little disconnected on what it means to be the deliverer of this kind of news. But now I see it and it feels so good. It feels so good. I just resonate with everybody in this way where I'm like, man, I feel you. I understand, but you don't have to stay there. And then when I see a little spark of hope, it makes it all worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where do you see that spark of hope in people? When they realize that like they're not alone and that whatever, I had one woman come up to me after a talk because I mentioned in my slide, all these different kind of losses and changes. And I listed pregnancy and adoption. 
And she came up to me afterwards and she said, I'm so thankful that you mentioned adoption because this is what I'm going through. And she shared it with me. And I really empathized with her because, and some people don't think about the backstory, right? Some people don't realize that I lost my husband and so many other things. And so it's in those moments where somebody is coming from a completely different walk of life, but they're coming up and saying, man, thank you for saying that. I don't feel so crazy. That's when I see it. That's when I see it most because we're, we're coming from completely different angles of this story. And yet we are all connected and we're all experienced like this humaning journey. Mm -hmm. There's so many similarities, just different. It's like different flavors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. Mm. Okay. So back to that moment when you, when you started like really hearing your thoughts, feeling, seeing, I don't know what sense you used, experiencing. All of those. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How, did you have any experience with mindfulness before that? Before that? No. But then after I've been training my mind for so, I mean, years, right? At this point, I think I was introduced to mindfulness four years after my husband died. Um, And even then it wasn't something everybody was doing. It now just had a title to what I was doing. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, I just, but I'm still learning about it. You know, there's this really great book by um, Dr. Caroline Leaf and it's called Switch on Your Brain. Man, I love that, you know, I'm now understanding what it means to create more serotonin and endorphins just by telling yourself a different story. So I feel like I'm, I'm still, I'm always going to be a student. I love that. Um, but when I was first applying it, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I needed to create peace in my mind. And I had that power of choice. It goes back to that first feeling. I was like, no, I can do this. What kept you going? Um, for sure, my son. Absolutely. Um, and then it, and then my work, when I started to hear those stories of people being able to relate, even though they were coming from different walks of life. Um, and I think it's really fun too. I mean, I have fun with my work. Like when I was trying to figure out what, how to explain mindfulness and what I do in my, excuse me, in my brain to my clients, I was like, oh, okay, what do I call this? Let me give it something easy for them because I have like a training background. So I think what also keeps me going as an entrepreneur is constantly learning, constantly getting new skills, like un- unleashing new powers that I didn't know. And it's, I'm using that to make a change in other people's lives for sure. I mean, it's a cycle. <laughs> yeah. When I lose sight of energy from one, I can pick it up from another source. <laughs> so what do you, how do you describe how mindfulness works in your brain? So this is the this is the method that I teach everybody. I mean, you can hear me talk anywhere. It's going to be the stop and shift method. So stop stands for, because this is the first part of mindfulness, right? Where you have to be aware of your thoughts. You know this. I mean, you have some mindfulness apps that you love. We talked about that. So first it's that awareness. And stop helps you to be aware of your thoughts because it stands for silence, thoughts on purpose. So for you to see that thought and disconnect from it and not let it control you, you have to literally silence it. You have to say that I am disconnected from this. But once you do that, if you don't do anything else to move it in a productive direction, then you're just going to continue down a negative thought cycle, right? So then you have to shift it because that's what, remember I told you when I had my box of stuff in my car, I was looking at it one way and I shifted in a different direction. So shift stands for see hope or see intentions, see facts, and see new thoughts. Now, people may see one of those. They may see all three of those. It depends on the scenario. But in any kind of negative thought cycle, if you need to shift in a more productive direction, you can look at any one of those three, and it will help you to then see new thoughts. And then from there, you choose your actions. I, that's You just distilled mindfulness into s-t-o-p for s-h-i-f-t nine letters <laughs> thank you nice work but like when you when you heard me say that what was it easy to process was it easy to literally do that in your mind i think so i come from a, i usually use the word pause but that's the same as stop, stop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, take a beat. Mm-hmm. yeah 
just or CTFO chill the fuck out. That's <laughs> yes, that's my exactly. go-to. There you go. There you yeah, go. Because mindfulness, I feel like it creates space. Yep. For the way I describe it is it creates space between well, our our thought, our emotion, and our action. So we make conscious choices when Correct. we're being mindful. Mm-hmm. And that's the and in that comes like as you say like the facts. What is true? What do you really know here? Mm-hmm. Okay, quit the stories. Yep. What do you know for sure? Which really, in pretty much all instances, is very little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually had when I um I I taught this at a workshop that I just delivered this week, and we um at the end had some question answer. And one lady said, you know, I feel a lot of guilt. I travel a lot with work. I have two littles and it just so mom guilt. Right. And I definitely know that (laughs) I honor that space because it is so real. So she said like, what would you suggest? I said, well, first silence that thought that you should feel guilty that you are working, that you are providing, that you are contributing to your household. Right. And then shift it to what feels natural to you, hope, intentions, or facts. And she was drawn to hope. And I said, the first thing that I would feel comes up are intentions because is your intention to cause harm for your kids? Because that's what guilty is, right? That your, your intention to cause harm. I said, no, your intentions are good. It's to create a life for them where they, you know, anyway, so we went down and she was like, wow, I never even thought about that way. So I just, again, you can use it in a crazy hardship or you can use it in the day-to-day just roller coaster of our minds that we live in. <laughs> and... Um, the more we use it in the day to day, that's our practice. Correct. That's mm-hmm. like going to the gym. And then that's what I tell them. Yep. Game day. It, it works. I had a personal experience. I had a bike crash a couple of years ago and I'd been practicing mindfulness for, I don't know, a few years before that. And I had no idea I was using my practice in the crash until people were like, I've never seen someone so centered and calm with blood. Like my bike was on one side of the road. My wheel was on the other. There was blood because there's sweat involved too. So there's just like blood everywhere. And I was right there present. Yeah. Centered. And it, it was so helpful for me to hear that reflected back to me. And I was like, Oh, that's my practice. That, that became your default state in a time of trauma or stress or yep. And that's why it's so important to practice. Yeah, because you never know when that time is going to come. Yep, yep. And then, again, you are training your brain. So you don't even have to second guess it. Mm-hmm. It'll just come. I mean, you probably didn't think, oh, let me be calm as I just have blood dripping all over me. <laughs> but it became your default state, which is helpful. Otherwise, we're increasing our stress, which, as you know, then has side effects on the body and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So, yeah, that's amazing. And... I feel like it's important to add later on, I did choose anger Mm -hmm. for a little bit. I chose like, I want, I never wanted revenge, but I wanted, I wanted a, um, nope. I wanted a redemption race. I wanted to crash in a race. I was like, I want to race again. And then of course I had to realize like, heal first. Yeah. And then you can race. Yeah. But I was ready to sign up for another race that day. Wow. 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 Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a great story. Thank you. But I think it's really important for us to realize that we can consciously choose, we can choose the thoughts, we can choose the emotions. Absolutely. And feel them when we want to feel them. And, and the thing is like, we don't have to always choose positive, right? And for me early on, it'd be like a win for me was I got up and I took a shower right? I was setting the bar low. Learning to honor, mindfulness helps you to honor all of those spaces. You being angry, you know, me, you know, just feeling all sorts of things. I can't even put one emotion on it, literally feeling everything. I feel like mindfulness allowed me to go through those emotions, grow through them, then be able to choose my response to them. Because I mean, if you think about it, our response to life is what shapes our quality of life. That's Mm -hmm. it. 
Because right now I know as a widow whose husband was murdered and whose son is continuing to grieve the process every year as he starts to develop more, you know, understanding of the story. Like I could be so bitter right now, mm-hmm. but I refuse. And we all have that exact choice. Like, and it applies to everything. Somebody cuts you off <laughs> or you get a bad diagnosis. Like you get to choose your response and shape your quality of life. Totally. Yeah. And if, for people who are listening, if you're like, what, if someone cuts me off, I'm just pissed for the rest of the day. How do I change that? Practice. Correct. Practice. How do you want to respond? How do you want to feel with that? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're feeling mom guilt and that doesn't feel good to you, how do you want to feel mm-hmm. when you're away mm-hmm. from your kids, about your time away from your kids? You know, there are It's just like you said, the, you said the physical fitness Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like working out. It's the same thing. I call it mental fitness, right? This is your training. That is like, you go to the gym to try and achieve this outer body, like work on your inner body and look at these moments as those opportunities to like flex your muscles. Yes, please. <laughs> Cause it's not going to stop. Hard times happen. Stress happens. Annoyances happen. Like drama happens. It just happens. You just get to choose how you're going to play in that sandbox. Yeah. You're training. When you go to the gym, you're training like a specific muscle for a specific movement. When you're training for triathlon, you're training for racing. When you're training your brain, you're training it for life, which is all the time. That's right. It never stops. (laughs) Ever. And that doesn't mean you can't like slip into, I I just don't want to be mindful right now. Mm -hmm. I just want to turn on the TV and zone out. Yep. yep, yep. You can choose that. Yeah. Again, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can choose to scroll if you want. <laughs> so what you've mentioned that you've got this really cool, I want to call it a clubhouse. <laughs> um, what are you super excited about with that right now? You know, what's cool is I get so many messages from my members after we go through a topic And they're like, are you in my house? Are you in my room? Are you in my mind? Like, how do you know that this is right on time? And anything that I teach on is so from what's still happening in my life, right? Because like you said, life just is going to continue to happen. And so uh, I'm loving hearing the feedback. I love showing up and being able to talk about things like um, last month we talked about how to flow with the funk. (laughs) and we break down like what does it mean to flow with the funk right what does it mean to bring more light into your life I mean we just talk about practical everyday things and so to hear that I'm speaking from my heart and it's landing exactly on time I think that's just like that's a universe thing that's a divine thing you know so I'm excited about that I'm excited because we just wrapped up facing your fears um, for the month of June and I challenge all of the participants to pick a fear. And in this last week, we are going to just create exponential growth on purpose and rapid growth on purpose by leaning into this fear. So I'm looking forward to the feedback at the end of this month. (laughs) Oh my God, I love that so much. Uh, Can you share anonymously, of course, some of the fears people are choosing? Yeah. Yeah. So one of them, uh, that I love because it is going to be a huge project. It's not, you know, there are emotional projects, but then there's also things that it's more labor intensive. And so there's this one woman, um, who has decided to start a podcast. Um, she has another organization that she's run very successfully. And because of the, the outreach and the stories from that organization, she wants to spread it world, you know, worldwide. So as a mom with three kids, you know, underneath the age of five, that's a lot to take on. And she realized she was getting in her own way because she was creating all of these different excuses or, or even delays, or I don't have all this all the way together, or how do I? And so she did her first recording this month and just like went all in, dove straight in. And she said she felt like this power was unleashed. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really cool to hear that and experience that. If that woman needs to hear this, I started the Find Your Awesome podcast when we were completely nomadic, living in the camper, traveling around the com- country, using a hotspot. I used my computer headphones and recorded over Zoom. 
You don't need much to get started. No, you don't. And I tell people like I learned, I, and I definitely have lots of fears too, you know, even a fear of like being misunderstood as I'm, you know, being vulnerable and sharing my story or anything, pick anything. Am I doing right by my kid? Whatever. Um, but I actually put a post up in our private Facebook group and I was like, let's just be vulnerable for a second and put your fears down and people pour down just different things. Right. And it was really, again, cool to see how I'm working with a group of folks who are willing to do the work and to unapologetically step into their, their whole self. So, yeah. I love it so much. And I, I say, whenever someone says like, I don't have any fears, I just think of the woman from, um, Princess Bride, liar. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's a perfect voice. It, it just shows up in yeah. funny little ways for us. You know, yeah. it's when you feel resistance, it's like really like call and make a dentist appointment. Oh, you didn't do it right the second. Why? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's holding you back from that? You're mm-hmm. a little scared about going to a new dentist. You just like, don't really like using the phone. You, there are so many things. Yep. Big and small. I was actually thinking this morning before I went to swim practice about how there's fear in that I'm going, I don't know what the workout is. It might be really hard. It's, I know it's going to challenge me. And yet like I, I go, I push through that fear on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Lean in. I feel like that's a practice too. Absolutely. I mean, and I tell people cause they're the, one of the principles we talked about was leaning in. I said, when you lean into fear, it loses its power. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what other fears have you come across? I think the biggest one for me, um, one of the initial ones was, am I going to be able to do this? I'm by myself. I don't even have like help with my son. How am I going to run a business? You know, limited resources. I mean, those were real fears because I told you I started from zero. But early on, my determination is what helped me to figure out things like how to build my own website, how to create business cards, you know, how to really tap into talents that I didn't know that I had, but I needed to save money. <laughs> so that helped to rebuild my confidence. But there was a lot of fear of just not being able to pull it all together. Um, but I think on a day-to-day basis, I really, I'm very sensitive to other people and what they're going through. And I do have this fear of being misunderstood just because I think whenever you put yourself out there in public, that you invite that level of criticism. And my heart is really just to break down so many barriers. Um, but it's not anything that's stopping me from you know, showing up as my whole self. It's just that critic in my head that I think, and I tell people this, if you look at your fears, I mean, really look at them like they are sitting across from you. Do you think that that invisible thing is distracting you from what's good and what's great and what you should be pursuing? Because sometimes we stare at those fears for so long that we do choose to not open up the laptop and do the work we need to, or to not step out. You know what I mean? And so even though I recognize that may be a fear that is constantly knocking, it's not something that I'm letting distract me from what I believe is my purpose. Yeah. You don't think we necessarily make fears disappear. They're still there. Mm-hmm. We see them. I know in Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert has this great description. A fear can come along. Like, it can, we're going on a road trip. Fear, you're coming, but you're not driving. Mm-hmm. You can, like, maybe sit in the backseat, and you're not allowed to touch the radio. <laughs> you need to just sit there and be quiet. <laughs> yeah. We're going to buckle you in, and you're going to stay buckled, and you're, you're here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're not in charge. That's right. You're not in charge. And guess what? That's a choice. Yes. See the power of choice. Mm-hmm. This, I, I feel like this is related somehow. I was listening to something today and the person who was being interviewed, I can't remember who it was. So apologies. Um, he was saying that we live life right now. So many of us by bowing down to the social media gods like the God of Instagram, the God of, in- of YouTube, the God of Facebook, we don't want to upset them because they seem so happy with us when we post consistently, they reward us. And that one of the biggest challenges today can be, he said he did, he took some time off from producing YouTube videos and like six months to create this passion project. And so when he actually posted it, no one saw it. 
you know, got like YouTube was like, this person isn't very active, so we're not going to make their videos super easy to find. But then the right people, like the quote unquote right people saw it. He ended up with all these new opportunities as a result. But it's interesting. So like, what if we, when it comes to social media, we drive that boss instead of letting the social media gods, the algorithms drive that for us. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really made a huge shift um, recently because I felt like in order for you to get the opportunity to take your message to the masses, you have to have like certain amount of followers or this kind of exposure or partnerships or whatever. And honestly, that's not, that's not fair, right? Because there are a lot of people who may have a lot of followers because their algorithm or whatever puts them to the top, but they're not talking about anything. So like, I don't, right. So, but instead of going there, I felt like, I think that around the time I, this had already struck my heart. I saw a post and it says it perfectly. It says, stop trying to get people to listen to you and talk to the people who are ready to listen. Yes, please. And so that really shifted even the content that I put out there because instead of me trying to curate the perfect content that it would get, I'm like, no, forget that. I'm going to put what's real for me. I'm going to put what's happening right now. If I want to keep it short and I don't want to put long content out there. And you know what? So many things started to shift. And I had a girlfriend tell me, she's like, Karen, I always loved your social media. She's like, but something feels so much more authentic right now. And I'm like, good for the people who this is resonating with. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like, you know, I'm starting to do, um, this is a, a passion project of mine. I'm doing these pop-ups called good vibes in real life because we live behind these digital good vibes and we will, you know, again, create our own boards of happiness, but are we really, really living it out? And I feel like if we can start to create those conversations and experiences of enjoying that, we will not feel so much pressure by these digital gods that you're talking about because our true good vibes and fulfillment is coming from the experiences that are around us, not the ones that are through our phone, our devices. Yeah. I just posted last week that I, I'm just craving conversations. Yes. Connections. And I'm settling for the virtual ones right now because this is, this is still awesome. Yeah. Um, but posting social media and hoping that maybe I can end up with a conversation over comments with someone. That's just, it's not feeding my soul right now. Right, right, right. Yep. I want to get back to fears because I love that topic. And I use in my private Facebook group, I do a check-in on Sunday nights and ask people what epic shit they did that week. And epic shit, in my definition, is anything that scared you, anything you felt resistance over. Doesn't mean like all the medals you won, all the money you made. That's, that may or may not be epic. It depends on the process. Mm. But what if we all lived our lives being aware of what scared us and going towards that using fear as like a yellow brick road. I feel like it would use fear as a launching pad for growth. Mm -hmm. I wonder what, because when I think about my fears as like a kid and an adolescent and even where I am now, when does it shift from being something that is all consuming and defining you? Actually, before that, when does that kick in? Because I'm starting to see that in my eight-year-old. <laughs> when do we lose that fearlessness, if you want to say? And then it shifts into a space where it completely defines us. And then it shifts again into a space of, no, wait, hold on. I'm a badass. I know what I can do. You know, like I know that I am capable. I know I have this power. I think that latter part happens through experience. Yeah. I think it's being through those fires. It's being through those trials and looking back at those and seeing like, okay, I got through that and I didn't die. (laughs) And for you, you went through the, like the speed class of life experience. Yeah, for sure. Cause and I was actually thinking about that exact kind of roadmap as I was washing dishes the other day. Cause I was like, wow, I am so like, a third version of Karen right now. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and really it is, but only if you allow it, right? Only if you allow it to shape you into a better person um, is where I think that you gain your power. Otherwise you're just losing power. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for people, you don't have to, you, you, you don't have to, have, your husband doesn't have to die. You don't have to lose your job. You Correct. don't have to go Thank through everything that. that you went through. Just up level. Sorry. Just be We're, aware right now. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Be aware. Work with a coach if that is what's calling to you. Because I always think that coaching makes everything happen faster. I agree. Because you have somebody who is helping to hold you accountable. You're talking through it. A lot of times we hold things in, we suppress it, and then we don't do anything with it that will benefit us. It sits there stagnant. So yeah, I think I, I totally agree. If you can have somebody who is helping to move you forward, get on that. <laughs> Invest in yourself. <laughs> you know, you use the word stagnant, and I find that really interesting. I think there are so many places in our lives for all of us that we experience stagnation. Absolutely. Yep. And it can look like hanging out in a job that is fine. Well, it can look like anything that's fine. Yeah. How are you? Fine. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's got to change. Yeah. yeah. How's, how's your family? Fine. All right. That's got to change. How's your job? Fine. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Tell me something's bad at least. Like, is there a pulse there? Yeah, exactly. We're not here to be fine. Well, you don't get energy that way. You know, life doesn't feel fulfilling that way. And there's a time to be fine, I guess. You know, if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm in the midst, I'm in transition, I'm trying to get my bearings and keep my back, like maybe, but don't stay there. Don't, I should say this, don't settle for that. Yeah. Be willing to give up something good for something great. Although I think that losing my job was the best thing that ever happened to me because I would have had the courage to pursue it on my own. So maybe if something bad does happen, you know? embrace that and see what you can make of it. How about that? I'm going to add to that challenge because how long did you actually label losing your job as bad? I mean, 30 seconds. Yeah. So. <laughs> Was it a full minute? I don't think so. You, they told you you were laid off and you refrained from like I was hurt. I was so hurt because I really felt like I had such a great relationship with my boss. And I, and it was the kind of environment that there was just a lot of burn and turn anyway. And I remember saying to him, because listen, I worked in HR, so I knew I could see these things coming. So I told him if for whatever reason, because of my current situation, at least give me a heads up that this is coming so I can prepare. Because my biggest fear was that I would be in an unstable place and I'm the only one providing for my household and my son. So I asked for that and I didn't get that. So that's what hurt more, even more than losing my job. Cause again, I think that was, I think that that was a divine moment. I think I needed that push. Yeah. So, and that makes so much sense. So it's the relationship, the lack of trust mm-hmm. that hurts, not mm-hmm. the actual outcome. Correct. Correct. And which actually we're great now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and even after that, you know, he really did do his best to make sure that I was um, taken care of as much as he could, you know, to have like some severance behind that. And, you know, if he could help me in other ways, but again, it was a toxic environment that eventually burned him too. So we're, we're good, but that was, that was the sting. So I think processing that, getting on the elevator, getting downstairs, turning on my radio, having that cry, I mean, that gushing cry. Mm-hmm. And then at that point is when I was like, okay, all right, no, my choice. I think it's really powerful in something like that to be able to separate what's going on, mm-hmm. to be able to feel I'm upset that my boss didn't tell me what was coming. Mm-hmm. I'm upset because we had this really cool relationship. So I'm hurt by that. Mm-hmm. I'm scared about how I'm going to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. And I'm psyched that I'm no longer working in this job. It's be- like, feel that all at the same time. Yes. I was going to say it was like the same sentence. Like, what do I do? And I was like, what do I do? Yes. Yes. But everything that you just said, 
in that like moment. <laughs> yep. Karen, what else do we need to talk about? Mm. Can I just like make a strong call to action to all of your awesome people who are listening? Cause this is my heart, right? When I was figuring out and shifting away from talking about grief and deciding that I wanted to talk about healing, I said, what am I going to leave people with? What am I going to tell them that is going to make them just look at life in a different way? Because life is, is relentless. So I challenge you as you are moving through life to do two things, to learn how to grow and learn how to flow with life. Because I think when you do that, it really enhances. I know when you do that, like my life is a, a testimony to that, that it will enhance your quality of life in a way that you, you'll be able to handle anything that's thrown at you. So yeah, my call to action is just learn, be open-minded, open-hearted. How can I grow and how can I flow with life? Mm, I love that. What does flow mean to you in that sense? It's that moment where you're driving and somebody cuts you off and you decide to not take it personal and you just like roll with it and you don't creep up behind that. You know what I mean? It's, it's that moment where your kid is having a, a breakdown and you need to hurry up and get out of the house. And instead of just like screaming at them, you meet them where they are and, and you're considered, you know, it's all those moments where you're like, okay, this is out of my control, but I am going to flow with it and not resist it. It's how you come out of a riptide, right? <laughs> yeah. It sounds a lot like presence too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're amazing. How can people learn more about you? The easiest way is go onto the website, karenmillsap.com, Millsap with two L's. Um, but you can also find me Instagram, Facebook, and uh, yeah, you'll find everything on the website and lots of, a ton of free material. You'll see uh, downloads there if you just want something quick. But if you want to engage, then you can still find everything you need at the website. And how about your pop-ups? Are they on there? Well, not yet. So, secret? well, they will be until maybe about two weeks before, right? So, I do have one coming up in DC. Um, so, about two weeks before is when I'll start posting on social media what it is, what's going on. We're always looking for partnerships because this is also to um, create experiences. It's not just like a talk or a panel, it's like little mini experiences. So, also looking for partners. If you know that your product, your service, your, your passion is bringing good to this world. I would love to hear more about it. Mm. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story, for th sharing your brilliance, which you do have a lot of, and for, for being super present with me today. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for putting this podcast out and starting when you weren't ready. <laughs> That's it. That's how it's done. Always. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.